0: Chapter 4 of Mystery of the Ambush in India by Andy Adams This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Tomlinson, London Chapter 4 Biff Vanishes Escape from the frenzied mob seemed impossible, but at least Chandra was making a try as he pushed Biff toward a deep corner of the big storeroom the only direction in which the invaders had not yet spread. But there was no door, no outlet, nothing except a solid stone wall beyond the last lot of crates. Those offered no good hiding place because the rioters already were overturning or yanking open chests and boxes which blocked them while they kept up an excited shout, Ferangi, Ferangi That was one word that Biff knew. It meant European which, in his case, could be translated as American, and it signified that they were definitely after Biff, though probably they would attack any Farangie that they encountered. And now Biff and Chandra were practically in the corner, with no way to turn except one, which looked like the worst trap of all. Just ahead stood a tall, rather bulky cabinet, shaped in the form of a pagoda, with half a dozen sides and a pair of front doors that were partly open, Quickly, Chandra thrust Biff inside and pushed him to the back, saying, In there, keep quiet, do not move. Then he pressed an inner door shut, and Biff found himself alone in pitch darkness, clamped in a space so tight that Chandra's admonition not to move was quite unnecessary. Chandra was gone by then, dodging off among the crates, perhaps to save his own sleek hide at the expense of Biff's. For Biff, realizing now that he was really boxed, was beginning to regret that he had trusted the Indian youth so completely. Chandra, a native himself, probably had friends among the mob. Maybe he had even told them that he would lure Biff here. Until now, Biff had had a chance either for fight or flight. Those were both gone, and if he didn't suffocate in this bandbox, he'd probably be yanked out and torn apart before he could even make a move. He was so tightly jammed he couldn't even reach into his pocket and find the ruby, which he felt was the real cause of his misfortune, despite the soft talk Duan Shand had given him. Even now Biff heard voices. Ferengi! We find him! Look there! And he could hear crates being turned over close by. Next the charters were clambering in and out of the cabinet itself, for Biff could feel it shake, and the hoarse snarly voices were almost at his elbow they were even pulling the pagoda out from the wall for its platform was set on wheels and they were literally spinning it about with biff still inside it yet for some reason they passed by him in the blackness more shouts louder crashes were suddenly punctuated by pistol shots leading to a last round of tumult that soon died biff heard receding footsteps then came a deadly silence which was even worse biff felt totally helpless and abandoned unable to move afraid even to call for help he was drenched in perspiration and why he hadn't suffocated or been found he couldn't understand until a sharp click interrupted his numbed thoughts biff lurched forward found the front doors and stepped shakily from the pagoda cabinet "'to find one person in the dim light of the warehouse "'waiting, grinning, to receive him. "'That was Chandra. "'Briefly, the Indian boy explained things. "'They took a good look for you, all right,' he said. "'Some of them did, anyway, "'while the rest kept fighting each other. "'They looked a lot, but they didn't find you or me.' "'But where did you go?' Chandra. "'Back in the basket that brought me here,' "'replied Chandra, widening his grin.' He reached past the crate, pulled out the basket, squatted in it and suddenly squirmed from sight, as if the basket were bottomless. Biff looked in and was amazed to see nothing except a heap of old cloth. Then the heap stirred and Chandra twisted into view from the basket's bulging sides, where he had artfully coiled his thin, agile body. "'So that's how you vanished,' exclaimed Biff, "Why you were still in the basket when the two men took it away.' How else could I get here so quick, retorted Chandra? They are friends of Jad, who show up with basket at the right time. This go down is where Jinajad keeps all his tricks, like the new pagoda he built to make people vanish. So I put you there. And I was thinking Biff cut himself short, but Chandra picked him up. You think maybe the big ruby made you invisible, declared Chandra. "'as it is supposed to do. "'But no, it was a Fogoda trick. "'It hid you. "'The basket hid me. "'Biff was cooler now, "'and he felt an actual shudder "'as he looked around the wreckage "'and saw some silent human figures "'lying near the gate to the courtyard. "'Otherwise, the warehouse was deserted "'except for Biff and Chandra. "'But where did they all go, Chandra?' "'Biff asked. "'You heard shooting?' returned Chandra. "'That was the police.' they came to help duan chand luckily they didn't use tear gas which they do a lot we would have gotten it too chandra was looking around at the broken boxes he saw one that interested him and beckoned biff that way we must get out before please come back and ask us to be witnesses declared chandra but the people who are after the ruby will be watching for you so you must wear other clothes like these Chandra was picking some native garments from those that had been dumped from an overturned chest. Studying Biff, Chandra noted the deep tan that Biff had acquired during his long voyage on the Northern Star. "'Your face is dark enough,' decided Chandra, "'but your light hair will have to be hidden. "'So we will make you into a Sikh.' "'A Sikh always wears a turban. That will fool everyone.' Soon Biff was attired in a costume that made him feel top-heavy. It consisted of shorts, shirt and jacket, and a huge turban, which completely covered Biff's ears as well as his head, after Chandra helped him wrap it. They bundled up Biff's clothes along with some other garments and went out by the rear gate. It was fortunate that both were in native garb, because Biff could sense that eyes were watching them as they followed the street to the market Chandra knew it too, for he said, ''Don't look around. They will suspect us if you do.'' There were natives in the marketplace gathered in little clusters discussing the recent riot. They glanced at the boys as they passed, but that was all. Chandra gave a pleased chuckle, then added cautiously, ''It looks good now, but still we play it safe. We go the long way, past the Thana.'' By Thana, Chandra meant police headquarters, a place that suspicious characters would avoid. After passing it, the boys were satisfied that they were not being followed, so they doubled back to the new India Bazaar, where they saw Lee and Kamuka studying the passers-by from the doorway of a sporting goods shop. It was Biff's move now. He eased up to Lee, tapped him on the shoulder, and said, Salam, Sahib. Lee turned and blinked, puzzled at the face beneath the turban, until Biff could no longer restrain a grin. Biff! exclaimed Lee. But where and why? We can't talk here, interposed Biff. Meet me around the corner and bring Kamuka. Chandra was with Biff when the other boys arrived. After introducing the Indian youth, Biff said, I must go to New Delhi. If Chandra can go with me, it's up to him to decide who can accompany us. I can go, Chandra assured him, and Kamuka too, but not Lee. He turned to the Hawaiian youth, "'Too many people saw you with Biff "'while you were watching Jinnah Jad make Jadu. "'You might be recognised, one because of the other.' "'Before Lee could even show the disappointment that he felt, "'Biff softened the situation. "'Somebody will have to go up to Darjeeling,' he reminded his friend, "'to tell the family where I've gone. Cancelling those extra plane reservations "'and handling our luggage is a tough job too. "'It looks like you're elected, Lee.' Lee not only was elected, he did his job well. He went to the Grand Hotel and returned by taxi, rejoining the group at a restaurant that Chandra had specified. Lee had cancelled the air reservations without difficulty, he had brought hiking packs for Biff and Kamuka, and he had arranged for shipment of the excess baggage. After a substantial meal, Lee returned to the hotel by cab to catch the Darjeeling plane. The other boys boarded a big bus for Howrah, across the river. Biff and Kamuka looked down from the tremendous cantilever span and viewed the muddy hooli, hoping to spot the northern star moored in the dim distance. They were talking about it in English, unfortunately, when Chandra hissed for silence. They realized then that they were an odd group, as it was, too odd to be using English as a common language biff whose features didn't properly match his sikhs costume kamuka who might have come from an upcountry tribe but was wearing european clothes chandra who with his dhoti and jacket looked like a jadoo wallahs boy which was exactly what he was and therefore the most outlandish of the trio in short they were attracting too much attention biff and kamuka promptly subsided Biff particularly felt that he should show some dignity, so he did, by looking squarely at the other passengers until he caught the eye of a distinguished-looking man across the aisle. The man had a large beard and a huge turban, which marked him as a Sikh, and a genuine one. He was studying Biff with sharp eyes that continued their piercing probe until the bus reached Howrah station. Then, as they were stepping from the bus, the bearded Sikh suddenly spoke to Biff in what was their own common language, except that Biff couldn't understand a word of it. All that saved Biff was a surge of the crowd, with people pushing one way, then another, cutting him off from the bearded Sikh. Next, Biff was on the outskirts of the milling throng, and Chandra was yanking him away, along with Kamuka. "'Thanks,' Chandra,' Biff gasped. "'If you hadn't dragged me out of that jam, the Sikh would have known I was a fake.' "'That!' wasn't why returned chandra that wouldn't have bothered us maybe you're a fake but he's a bigger one i saw his beard close enough to know biff looked back and saw that chandra was right caught in the crowd the man with the big turban wasn't trying to follow the three boys in fact he couldn't even see them the reason was that his false beard had been pulled up over his eyes and he was madly trying to straighten it hand in his pocket Biff was gripping the packet that he had transferred from his own clothes, wondering if the light of the Lama again had saved him from an enemy chapter four Recording by Peter Tomlinson London